Church, it is good to worship this day. And if you've been with us the last number of weeks, you might remember that today we are concluding a sermon series entitled Tending the Garden, in which we've been exploring what it means to flourish with God in God's kingdom. So as we get ready to explore that today, let me invite us into a word of prayer. Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. When it comes to sermons, I don't often share a share and tell or a show and tell more accurately. But today I want to divert from that practice a little bit because here I have, I brought with me this massive book <laughs> and it is massive. More specifically, this is a powerful resource that was given to me many years ago, over 20 years ago now, in fact, and it's called the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance of the Bible. Now, in more simple terms, that means I can either look up a Hebrew word to discover its original meaning or a Greek word for the New Testament to find its original meaning and explore exactly what the words mean. It was during my final year at Duke Divinity School, now over 20 years ago, that I had the chance with some of my classmates to meet some of the trustees of the Duke Divinity School. And I can't even remember now exactly why we were invited to have dinner with them, but these were men and women, these trustees, who had invested heavily in the Divinity School. And again, I don't know exactly why we met for dinner, but here we were having this dinner with them, and I remember talking with the trustees. And it was an opportunity for the trustees to hear firsthand from us what our experience had been like, what we had been learning, where God was calling us, where we were going to be going, all of those kinds of things. And it wasn't too long after dinner, as we were all starting to get ready to disperse, that as we were doing that, an individual came up to me and she handed me this book, this massive book. And I was very grateful. I had never met this individual before, but I was deeply touched that she would take the time to give me, Matt, uh, this gift that I would be able to use in ministry. So I was already deeply touched, but then I opened the front cover and I don't know how well you can see here, but there's all kinds of writing in the front cover. And specifically, there's a message to me. There's there's scripture verses and there are prayers, but there's a particular message written out to me that says this, to Matthew E. Lake, much is required from the person to whom much is given, much more is required from the person to whom much more is given, based on Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And then it says, special love, Dr. and Mrs. Clarence Cross Lyles. I was a bit taken aback as I read those words. It took some serious time and thought to do all of that writing and make it a personal message to me. And on top of that, this is the only time I had ever met these people. And they still took the time to do that for me. And what struck me in those moments and ever since is that yes, they were trustees. They had committed part of their lives to the flourishing of Duke Divinity School, the institution of the Divinity School. They wanted the school to succeed, but even more than that, it was the personal ownership, their commitment to investing in the lives of the students, students like me, that made the difference. They were committed to my flourishing, and not just my flourishing, but investing in me so that there could be a flourishing in the kingdom of God for generations to come. 
Trusteeship was not about the organization or institution. It was about the lives touched through the organization. I repeat, trusteeship is not about the institution. It's about the lives touched through the institution. It wasn't about giving money to the institution. It was about investing in those lives and how they would make a difference in God's kingdom in the years to come. For Dr. and Mrs. Lyles, their roles as trustees, it involved a deep commitment to investing in God's kingdom in a very personal way, a way that they owned and actively lived into at a very personal level for those that they were seeking to invest in. For weeks, we've been exploring together what does it mean for us to invest in God's kingdom for its flourishing as trustees with God. We've been considering our role as trustees and what it means to, in generosity to live into what God is doing in our world. And when we stop and think about it, it's a phenomenal role that God has given to you and I. God could have relegated you and I to the sidelines. God could have said, watch what I do. God could have said, you have no voice in bringing my kingdom into this world. But God does the opposite. God says, I empower you to make a difference in this world, to join with me in the flourishing of all creation and the fullness of my kingdom so that we can experience to the fullest degree and the fullest potential, the power and the hope lived in God's church. And we do this as trustees with God. I want us to understand exactly what it means to be a trustee. And one of the places I think we get a large clue about this is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. There we hear these words. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So to be a trustee in God's kingdom means we embrace the full implication of being made in the image of God. Let's break this down just a little bit. To be a trustee then means we, as the name implies, trust God completely, hence the trust part of trustee. And as the name implies, we're called to trust God in all things. That is incredibly basic and powerful all at the same time. Because to be made in God's image means we recognize God is the creator, not us. God owns everything, not us. I love how David says it in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. David tells the assembled people of Israel through his own example of giving from his own wealth. He shares these words. He leads his leaders and his people in giving generously to the temple with a trusty mindset. He says this in verses 11 to 14 of 1 Chronicles 29. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor, they come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we've given you only what comes from your hand. David saw himself as a trustee of, of what God had blessed him with, and his prayer reflects that. 
I love the line, who am I that we should be able to give as generously as this? For David, it was a deep privilege to join with God in God's goodness and flourishing. I wonder, can we say such a prayer? We often deceive ourselves into thinking that we are the reason that we have gifts and resources at our disposal. We like to think it's our ingenuity, our intellect, our hard work, our ability, our sheer will that made it happen. But I love the way Tim Keller reminds us that's not quite the case. He says, first, no matter how much you have worked for your wealth, everything you have is a gift from God, as Proverbs 16, verse 33 reminds us. Even if you've worked very hard for what you have, it was only with the health, talent, abilities, and luck or favorable circumstances that God gave you that you are able to achieve what you did. If it was not for God, you could have been born on a mountain in Mongolia in the 11th century. And then where would you be financially? This is so true. As, as trustees of God, we must learn to trust God completely because God is the one who owns everything. God is the one who has blessed us that we might be able to be generous givers. And then because we learn to trust God in all things, another piece of being a trustee is that we understand that to use the resources that God has given us, it becomes an issue of cultivation of goodness. It's not an issue of financial equation. Too often in the world of church, we've advocated things like give a tenth of what you have. Give a tenth of your wealth and your resources because that's what we're supposed to do. And to be clear, this is called a tithe when we give a tenth. That is the biblical baseline. It is the biblical standard that we are called to give into. And so if we're not living into the tithe, we're called to move in that direction. But more often than not, when we use language like that, what most of us hear is some kind of financial obligation that I should do, rather than receiving an invitation to investing in the flourishing of God's good creation. If I were to say to you, and I guess I am, would you be interested in making this world a better place? Would you like to invest in the spiritual flourishing for our kids and our youth? Would you like to help hungry people have something to eat? Would you like to make a positive difference among the most vulnerable among us? Would you like to help others discover the transforming love, grace, and beauty of Jesus Christ for today and for all of eternity? Would you like to offer hope to so many who do not have it? My guess is that many, if not all of us, would say, absolutely, I'd like to help make those things happen. If that is the case, then to us today, I would say, then give as trustees. Give generously in God's church. It is a practical, tangible, simple, powerful step that every single one of us can share in to literally make a difference in this world and invest in the full potential of the kingdom of God among us. God gives us these resources that we might use them and use our influence to help God's kingdom come in all its fullness. However, once we start to think things like, well, have I given my tithe? We tend to do a mental checkout because we almost feel like we're paying our dues to the institution, which nobody wants to do. But trustees understand that generosity has to do with investing in what God is up to in the world through the kingdom of God. And it's a chance to make a practical difference in this world for God's good has nothing to do with paying financial obligations. 
in this way, the tithe, it's not meant to be a rigid rule. It's meant to be a guideline around which we start to arrange our lives so that we can invest more in, in God's future in the days ahead. It's not about giving out of guilt. It is about creative and joyful commitment to investing in God's flourishing. This is what it means to be a trustee. It also means in being a trustee that we are committed to God's flourishing over our flourishing. Uh, there's a, a bit or maybe a lot of an irony here. When we're focused on only our own flourishing, not only then does God's flourishing not happen because we're not investing in that direction, but eventually our own flourishing fades away because we're reaching always for what we think will make us happy. And when we do that, and when we only invest in ourselves, eventually we reach the end of ourselves. And we discover even though we spent all this time investing in the direction we thought we wanted, it still ultimately leaves us empty. But when we focus on God's flourishing over our own, then God's kingdom flourishes and we discover we flourish at the same time because we learn to be a people who are content and we learn to understand and trust God in new ways and we learn to experience God's fullness and richness in our own lives. I love how the English philosopher Francis Bacon puts it. He once said, money is like manure. It is not good unless it's spread around. A whole lot of us seek to hold on to it for ourselves only to discover eventually it rots, it stinks. I think this point is made in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, when it says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. You might remember Pastor Janet has reminded us in the past that work in the garden, it's not like work after the fall. In the garden, in God's intended creation, work was meant to be a way of harnessing creation to help it live into its full potential, its full beauty, its full order. The Greek word for the, excuse me, the Hebrew word for the word work actually means to serve. Adam's authority to name the creatures and subdue and rule the earth does not mean that Adam can just do whatever he wants with creation. Because remember, we're not called to exploit creation, we're called to help it live into its fullness and flourishing. And so we help develop the created order. That's what we do in our work because we are trustees made in the image of God, the creator. So to take this even a step further, this flourishing, it might be different, it actually often is different than our idea of flourishing. And I love the description today given in Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It is a description of flourishing, but again, in a way that we might not first think of. It says this in these verses, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So here we are seeing God has poured out everything. God has given generously in every way in order for creation to come about and for creation to flourish. And what does God do after this extensive giving and generosity and pouring out? God rests. God enjoys. God is content because the generosity has produced a flourishing of beauty and creation that leads to joy and fulfillment and pausing. So God no longer has to hold on and hoard. God can just rest. 
because the giving has yielded fruit and flourishing and life and creation. I imagine most of us can think of a time like this in our own life. Think of a time when you've just poured yourself out as much as possible. You've given your all. It may not have been overly comfortable in the moment, but when we give ourselves to something fully and we give all of who we are and it leaves us spent, it might leave us tired, but it leaves us full and at peace because we know we gave our very best. There wasn't anything more we could do and it's good. In a similar manner, trustees give their best. They pour out in the spirit of the God that we serve. They live generous lives. They trust God and they continue to invest in the flourishing. And as a result, then they too can be at rest and at peace. They too can be freed from the grips of greed and be at ease and content. Listen to what's described in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 15. There we hear this description. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. Why? So that you can be generous. And their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now look what's happening here. We see that God turns our resources as we pour them out into a channel of God's grace to bring hope and life into other people's lives. And in particular, if you were to read this passage very carefully, you would see that words like righteousness, riches, grace, giving, gift, they're all used so interchangeably, it's hard to tell when Paul is saying that God has given us money or God has given us grace to pass on to others. The point here is that our money, really God's money, becomes a means of grace. And when we can give it away generously and joyfully, it comes to other people, it blesses other people like God's grace blesses each one of us. Radical generosity, it's profound. And it, it evidences the power of the gospel. The more that Christians invest with generosity in God's kingdom to God and to others, the more that people will believe in and experience the living reality of Jesus Christ. And this is why we give. This is why we live into a trustee mindset. I've always loved a lot of the stories with John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. Uh, we like to talk about rugged discipleship in the life of First Church. John Wesley was a rugged disciple. He viewed all that God had given him as God's to be used for God's flourishing in this world. And God used him in powerful ways. It's not known exactly how many sermons John delivered over his lifetime, but some estimates put it at 40,000. And he also traveled, it's estimated, about 250,000 miles in England, almost all on horseback, oftentimes over muddy roads. 
When John first became a Christian, John had a salary of about 30 pounds per year. Now that's only about $130 per year, but we're talking the, the 19th century here. So, uh, you know, wages were a little bit different, but that still wasn't very much. Of the 30 pounds, when John was first paid that first year, he lived on 28 pounds and he gave two pounds to the church. Later on, when his salary was increased to 50 pounds per year, he continued to live on 28 pounds per year and he gave 22 pounds back to the church. And when his salary eventually increased to 100 pounds per year, he continued to live on 28 pounds and gave 72 to the church. John's focus was on how much he could invest in the kingdom of God by living free from the grip of greed. It wasn't a rigid rule of how much he was gonna give, it was how much could I offer to God? And so he kept giving more and more proportionally of what he had. Today, I am inviting us to make a commitment to flourishing in God's kingdom using the resources God has blessed each of us with. I am asking us to embrace living fully into the image of God in which we were made. I'm asking you to trust God fully, to commit to God's goodness, to commit to God's flourishing through generosity. Today, I am not asking for a donation to an institution. I'm asking you to commit to investing in God's kingdom for God's flourishing in our world. Today, I'm asking you to make the shift from their church to my church that I am committed to investing in. And today I'm asking you that no matter what step of commitment you've already made in your walk with God today, would you commit to taking one more step, one more step of investment, one more step of trust, one more step of faith, one more step beyond where we currently are to say, God, I'm committed to being a trustee in your kingdom. I still remember when I received this gift from Dr. and Mrs. Lyles. They were trustees and they shared this gift with me with great joy. They had a really big smile on their face. They weren't giving me that gift out of moral or religious obligation. They did it out of a deep sense of passion to give what they could for the advancement of God's kingdom. And they believed that in their role as trustee, their investment would have ripple effects for the kingdom of God. And you know what? They were right. This resource has now traveled with me for over two decades. I don't know many, how many sermons I've done over the last two decades or how many people I have preached to, but this resource that they gave me has directly impacted multiple generations of people so that the kingdom of God might be shared with them. And today, church, I invite you to invest with that same sense of joy, that same sense of personal ownership, that same sense of trustee-mindedness to invest in God's beauty and flourishing in our world. All of us, all of us are called to be trustees in the spirit of Dr. and Mrs. Lyles. All of us are called to partner with God to bring forth God's beauty and goodness in our world. All of us are called to be a part of God's flourishing and not just to sit on the sidelines. And God gives us a chance to do that through our giving and through our generosity. I thank you, church, for your commitment. I thank you for your 
unwavering support to see God's flourishing in our world. And I invite you today to take a next step in however God might be leading you. As you begin to think and pray what this looks like for you today, I want to invite you now to listen to some of our folks connected with First Church on sharing some of the reasons why they specifically, why they personally are excited to invest in, to give generously in the flourishing of God's kingdom here at First Church. And so I invite you now to listen to their words of why they are excited. And as you're listening, may you prayerfully consider and be thinking about why you're excited and how you too can invest in God's flourishing in God's kingdom among us with the mindset of a trustee.